Let's take a bite out of this big apple. It's time for architecture, coffee, and ink. Hello, this is Hollywood C, and you're listening to Architecture, Coffee, and Ink, a podcast dedicated to introducing concepts, detailing out designs, and tackling the architecture you might not realize the meaning behind. I'm your hostess, and I'm here today to start introducing you to the designs that make you wonder why. So I ask you to brew your coffee, grab your sketchbook and pen, and let's begin. Hello, 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 and welcome to the end of the week and the first in a series of three mini-sodes. I hope that everyone has had a rockin' week and made some great design decisions this week. As an extra bonus to the wonderful interview episode that was released on Sunday, we have a set of three small episodes this week coming out today and tomorrow. The interview with Robert Ansel is already on the blog, and the transcript for that episode has already been updated with the transcript and pictures, so please go enjoy the show. This episode is going to be focused on New York City, or the NYC, by laying out the groundwork for several future episodes by roughly introducing the history and design of the city in preparation for our episode next week and tomorrow. So today was supposed to be our Eerie Arc episode, but it's been pushed off until tomorrow solely because it also takes place in NYC. I had recently gone on a trip into the city to visit family after not visiting for several years. I was incredibly inspired, and after receiving a few listener requests a couple months ago, was excited for the opportunity to dive into this topic. Of course, with that, I do need to warn you that because I do have family in the area, I will probably be pronouncing things the way that I grew up hearing them. Officially, New York City is actually the city of New York. New York has risen to fame for many reasons over the years and has promoted culture and wealth. It is also an extremely diverse city with multiple lifestyles, races, ethnic groups, and opportunities. In fact, NYC is currently the most populated city in America, with a staggering population estimated to be just under 8.5 million people. According to the U.S. Census Bureau's estimates taken July 1st, 2021, Geographically, the city is located at the southern tip of the state, with New Jersey being just on the other side of the river. Famously a port city, it is located where the Hudson River reaches the New York Harbor, which then connects to the Atlantic Ocean. The Hudson actually starts in the Adirondack Mountains and concludes its 315-mile journey in the harbor. Geologically, the topography, or physical landscape, of the Earth the city is built on is due to the movement of glaciers that receded across the land. The original ecosystems and natural landscape in the area prior to the city were shockingly different to what is there today. By shockingly different, rats and concrete were generally the first two things mentioned in current articles referring to how the city is today, when previous motivations to colonize the area were due to a thriving fur trade, and rich abundance of natural resources. The climate is considered to be temperate. By temperate, I mean that overall it is considered to be extremely moderate. 
not really prone to extremes, due in no small part to the proximity of the ocean. Again, when I am saying extremes, think Antarctica versus Death Valley. Two locations in the world that see some of the coldest and some of the hottest temperatures recorded globally. I'm not trying to imply that there is no variation, it's just overall not as extreme as other places in the globe. I've been to New York over multiple seasons and I can personally attest that they get both the hot and the cold. Doing something a little bit different this episode, this is going to be speed dating through history tonight. As first, we are going to take a few moments to go over some extremely broad facts and highlights of the city. The whole area had people as early as 9,000 years ago, and a second wave around 3,000 years ago, with a distinct gap where the area is believed to have been abandoned between the two. Immediately prior to the arrival of European settlers, the area was home to the Lenape. They used the area now known as Governor's Island as a seasonal settlement. The Lenape includes the Raritan and Manhattan tribe, who called the area home for countless generations. The tribes in this area would have spoken months which today is classified as a critically endangered language by UNESCO. That is the step above extinct. The first European explorers arrived in the area in 1524, underneath the French monarchy. However, while the expedition was officially underneath the French crown, it was led by the guiding hand of Giovanni de Verrazzano from Italy. Upon arriving, he promptly named the area Nouvelle Angoulême, named in honor of King Francis I and the harbor Santa Margherita after the king's sister. He apparently had written several questionable descriptions of the people he encountered while exploring, and he was convinced that he had actually reached Asia. Like many other individuals of the time, he was under the impression that the Earth was quite a bit smaller than it is and had no idea the American continent even existed. Francis had previously been the count of the original city of Angoulême, France, before he had upgraded to kinghood. If you research this further, you will sometimes see New Angoulême instead of Nouvelle. Nouvelle is literally the French word for new. However, it is the next group of individuals who started to settle in the area. 30 families underneath the Dutch East India Company, founded by the Netherlands, arrived in 1609, underneath the leadership of Henry Hudson, where they ended up building the nearby Fort Nassau in 1614. After beginning fur trading in 1613, closer to what is now NYC. I noticed some inconsistencies from my sources as to whether or not a permanent settlement was built in 1613, but Fort Nassau was in Albany, New York. This name would be used for multiple forts over the years, and later on a county. So there was a lot of confusion across sources. However, the area we are interested in was New Amsterdam and was established by 1624, if not earlier. As a quick side note, the Hudson River, which runs through the city, was named after Henry. However, the heart of the future city wasn't procured by the Europeans until 1626. During that time, Manhattan and Staten Island was purchased for $24 or 22 euros and 14 cents from the local tribes. It was purchased by Peter Minuit as he was the governor of New Amsterdam. 
New Amsterdam would end up playing a huge role for developing fur trade in the region. I couldn't really tell from my sources if that dollar amount included the goods that were also traded, so I will have to update everyone tomorrow if I can get a clearer answer. Either way, less than a year after the purchase, many families resettled onto Manhattan Island. Governor's Island was purchased in 1637 by Walter Fuller of the Dutch West India Company until it was confiscated by the Dutch government. Finally, it was around 1664 that we saw the now infamous name New York become associated with the area when it was, quote, given to the English. In this, the area was taken alongside the rest of the former New Amsterdam. King Charles II, upon receiving the area, gifted it to his brother James and it was promptly renamed in his honor as James was the Duke of York. And in the reoccurring trend that we have been seeing all episode, the word new was thrown in front to separate it from the previous town of York in Europe. I'm throwing shade, but it's a fact. Apparently, all Charlie wanted in return was, quote, four beaver pelts a year, end quote, according to an article by the New York Times. This was an added insult to the Dutch, as the Dutch West India Company competed against James in the global slave trade. King Charles took the land and then gave it away for basically one-fourth of a fur coat a year, as apparently it normally takes 12 beavers per coat. And he was giving me some major Cruella de Vil level villainy all around. At this point in history, three different countries from Europe have passed the area between each other. So it's relatively unsurprising that like any major city, tension and conflict shape the fabric of the city just as much as success and peace. New York would see multiple pivotal moments throughout world history, including temporarily becoming the US capital. Further triumphs include becoming the primary home of the abolitionist movement, meaning that it was at the forefront of efforts to end slavery in the United States back in the 1820s, and it also peaked as the largest city in the country as early as 1835 and maintained that title ever since. As the world started to observe new population trends, NYC began to see a rapid increase in the number of immigrants arriving in the city through both Liberty and Ellis Island. And we can't speed through history without broaching a broader discussion of the ongoing wealth of the city. As I mentioned before, New York was always a port city with a thriving trade industry. This was especially true with the completion of the Erie Canal around the 1820s, though give or take a few years depending upon the source, which allowed for goods to be shipped to the Great Lakes region further inland. The city continued to grow and develop commerce while also beginning to handle a rapidly increasing number of immigrants. This continued to the point that it was considered to be the busiest port in the world from the years 1900 to roughly the 1950s. Originally, the city was actually only on the area that is now Manhattan, and the areas immediately adjacent that were accessible through boat or buggy. It wasn't until the further development of infrastructure that allowed for the city to sprawl out. 
In 1898, the five boroughs of the city finally came together to create what is now known as the modern NYC. They were already in existence, but were a mixture of rural and urban areas, and separately were already considered cities in their own right. The boroughs are Manhattan, the Bronx, Queens, Staten Island, and Brooklyn. The design of the city itself is fascinating. While it's now known for its skyscrapers, it already had a great foundation for buildings with a solid sheet of bedrock underneath. What's so interesting is that no one was officially in charge of design until 1798. And even then, the infamous city grids weren't actually incorporated until 1811. In 1811, the commissioner's plan was drafted to incorporate the city grids and propose the Erie Canal I mentioned earlier. But it wasn't until the five boroughs came together that we started to actually see the rise of the modern layout. Part of the roads used today are built in the place of pre-existing trails that were traveled once by animals and tribal members prior to the arrival of Europeans. Once the boroughs came together, many began to also adapt the gridded city system. As mentioned, infrastructure was a later addition and not truly considered at first. But once roads, bridges, and other aspects of the modern city started to be incorporated into the city, we finally started to see the infamous traffic begin to creep in. The subway wasn't added until 1904 and kicked off the start of the urban planning spectacular. Now, I'm actually going to stop here because this is a mini episode. Just laying out some of the broad facts that we are going to be diving into tomorrow and later next week. So with that, thank you again for joining me today. Please remember to check out the blog, as always, for the transcripts, show notes, sources, and additional exclusive information that I don't have time to talk about on the show. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me at Instagram at Architecture Coffee and Ink. Email the show at architecturecoffeeandink at gmail.com or the blog at architecturecoffeeandink.com. Architecture Coffee and Ink is a Hollywood C Studios LLC production, and I'm excited to meet with all my designers, dreamers, and DIY enthusiasts next time. But in the meantime, may your coffee mugs be full and your ink wells never run dry. <laughs>